0: Hi there, it's Johnny back at Bricks and Mortar Podcast. How you travelling? You had a good week? How's that Brexit coming along, 31st of October? Have you started saving your tins? Have you started buying your pasta? We've been stocking up, I cannot believe it. We were doing the shopping about a month and a half ago and I'm down there with uh, She Who Must Be Obeyed. And we're doing the shopping, and she says, Well, we need to stock up with Brexit. I thought, For God's sake, has it got that bad that we have to start stocking up with Brexit? And she said, All oh, the pals are doing it. Are you stocking up? <laughs> it's utter madness, utter madness. So, listen, it's been not been on for a couple of weeks. It's been pretty busy, I have to say. Um, we had a leak in the office. I'll tell you a little bit about that later on. That was a bit of a disaster. That happened on Friday there. Went and saw Brad Sugars. I don't know if any of you who are listening uh, went to see Brad Sugars. He was over in Glasgow. He's doing a UK tour. And we'll tell you a little bit about that. And uh, yeah, we had a, a lot of really good quality clients coming through the door this week. And I'll tell you a little bit about that. The main show is once again, we've got an interview on this one's with Emmanuel Howell. He's uh, started a business called Energy How, and he's all about the renewables. You will no doubt be aware, as landlords, that the EPC is now going to become even more important with regards to the energy efficiency and they're going to use that as a means of testing whether or not your property is energy efficient enough. So that I think is gonna have a big, big impact because if you've got a tenement flat in Glasgow or wherever and you've got rattly old single glazed windows, well, you might end up in order to get over the hurdle of energy efficiency. You might end up having to get double glazing, internal insulation, loft insulation. It looks as if it's going to be another expense for landlords. But listen, we'll pop that interview on in a little while. Emmanuel Howell, he's going to be on and he's going to be talking about that. But let me tell you about Brad Sugars. Great, with three hours we were with Brad Sugars. I think I paid about 20, 24 quid, twenty plus VAT to go and see him. There must have been about 120, maybe 200 in the room at the Marriott. And as with all these guys, he talks a lot of sense, whether or not you actually take what he's talking and implement it, that's the difficult thing. And I guess there'll be lots of people there, probably me included, that think, gosh, that's a fantastic thing. I should really go and implement it. And the ones that get the most from these kind of seminars will go ahead and they will action and implement what they had heard. So the three takeaways, well, there's a number of takeaways, but the three takeaways I I got was, uh, he talked about websites, have a look at your website. And if there's too much reference to we do this, we'll do that, we, 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 then you need to change that. And you need to change that so that when the client is looking at your website, That it's all about you. So, as in, you're speaking to the client. So, you want to rephrase what you've got rather than we're going to do something, you switch it so that you say, by instructing us, you will receive this benefit, you will have that benefit, etc. And I thought to myself, gosh, that is so obvious. But then, looked at my site and looked at numerous other. Uh, mortgage-broking websites, and it was all down to we do this, we do that, etc. And he also said, what's the point in having your name on your website? They've already searched for you. They already know your name. So why do you waste time and, and space on your website by actually putting your name on the front of the website? And you know what? There is probably some truth in that. He talked about retaining your clients, and do you send them, you know, a thank you for them? Uh, he also mentioned he's a big man about knowing your numbers, and in essence, he is saying that you need to make sure that you know your numbers because it's going to be very difficult for you to grow any sort of business if you don't know. Your numbers, so he was all about knowing your numbers, making sure that if you are going to do marketing that you test, test, and test again before you spend any money. It was fascinating, and you don 't one of the things I thought was because I sort of OD'd on Brad Sugars in the week before I went to his seminar. And there's so much stuff, as you would expect, there's so much stuff on YouTube. And rather than going to go and see him, just type up Brad Sugars, see what it's like on YouTube. He's got thousands of books, I think, out there. He might be for you, he might not be for you, but I tell you what, I did take some stuff from from his talk and... I tell you what he did, he did a good stint he was out there for about three hours i think and the first time I, I looked to my watch it was nine o'clock and he'd already been on the stage for three hours so he i tell you he puts he puts a stint in and uh it was very very interesting the other thing to tell you about is we had a leak in the office so we've had the office now open since what's that april i think and uh, I started to notice a little while ago that the laminate flooring that we got put down had started to bubble up where I was standing because I've, I've got a standing desk and it got sort of worse and worse and worse. And I, So I, ph- I phoned Jimmy Perry, who was good enough to lay the floor for us and do all the refurb, and he came out on Friday And the first thing he says, well, we're going to have to cut a hole. I said, you can't, surely, can we not do something else? Don't cut a hole in that new flooring. (laughs) I tell you what, it was, oh, it was terrible. He got his chainsaw out, his his cutting machine, and he started to put this metre hole, metre square hole in in the flooring, uh, I tell you what I shed a tear I did I shed a tear, but it 's probably just as well we cut the hole because, as soon as he lifted up the hatch, all you could hear was this and what we found was that there was a lead pipe it had um, had a crack in the lead pipe, and it was just pissing out water so I tell you what we managed to get the toby and cut off the water and and get it all sorted out. So And he did that all in the space of an hour. So hats off to to Jimmy Perry. Um, He did, did us proud. And if you're needing a tradesman, an all trades guy, then Jimmy Perry, I would heartily recommend Jimmy Perry. And if you're wanting his details, then just PM me on the usual email or get me on LinkedIn or Messenger or the other social channels that we're on. You know the ones we're on. And finally, just tell you a little bit about, uh, whenever I see clients, the first question I ask my clients are, have you got a plan? These are are investors, uh, people who are first-time landlords. I said, the most important thing that you have to have before you speak to me is a plan. Now, the plan has to be at least, I think, down on paper. It doesn't have to be absolutely rigid, but unless you've got a plan as to what you are trying to achieve out of entering into the vital world, buy-to-let world, then you are going, ultimately you are going to come a cropper. You have to understand why you're getting into it. Is it a flip? Is it a pension play? Is it an income play? And you really need to know what your end game is now don't get me wrong that can change i understand that but you need to at least know where you're starting out have a map before you go into the woods and we had this guy come in to see me and i tell you what he's been one of the best clients (laughs) who's had a plan i mean the thing was mapped out meticulously i think he'd spent hours well i think he would spent months on putting his plan together and now what he's doing is he's going to go and implement it so I tell you what I doffed my, my cap to him uh, it was a, a fantastic eye-opener to me that you need to have that plan in place and then once you've got the plan in place then it's all about implementing listen, I've prattled on about Brexit brand sugars, the leak in the office let's talk to Emmanuel and put him on now There's very little, um, yeah, I don't edit a lot, I have to say, so okay. it's pretty much one and done. Yeah, <laughs> yes, right. So we'll just get cracking it and get, uh, get going. So we'll, we'll have done an introduction yeah. on this, so everybody will know who you are. So probably a good idea just to say who you are, because um, we know one another from BNI. Yeah. i guess, is yeah. it's where we um, cross paths. Um, let's have a quick chat with BNI, and yeah. um, you've been with BNI now for how long? Eight months. Eight no? months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it going well for you? You're yeah getting some work from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely
1: returned its investment. Um, okay. It's helping with, I guess, personal development,
0: but also raising brand awareness. I think BNI is one of these things that people go to BNI for a number of things. Yeah. Um, some go for personal development. Some go for Um, I I guess for the the money side of things the referrals, um, some go for the food and the banter (laughs) Um, so that's good that it's going well for you Uh, and why did you decide B&I might be a fit as far as your networking marketing side of things is
1: concerned? It was understanding the networking model when I wanted to grow the business onto the commercial side it's understanding commercial relationships take time and I like the B&I model of you're continuing to meet with people and having access to their networks Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the group
0: that we're in yeah
1: it's heavily focused towards the business services so more access to the commercial market
0: yeah, I think some, if anybody's talking about BNI, some people talk about BNI as the baker, the, the, the candlestick maker, and uh, so they think it's all trades-orientated, but it's yeah. very much dependent upon which group you're in. Yeah, and right. I do agree, the Dynamo group that, that, that both of us are part of is a very much business-centred um, yeah. group. Um, in fact, probably quite light on the trades if the yeah. truth be told so it's great and i completely understand and agree with what you're saying that getting into the networks of yeah. your accountant your solicitor your mortgage broker you know your professionals yeah. is really where you're looking to try yeah and get into on the commercial
1: side people won't have work just waiting no yeah, so it's
0: building that relationship so uh-huh. you're in their mind
1: when it does arise yeah
0: And certainly I've been in the BNI three, maybe four years, and it is a bit of a schlep. I mean, you've got to keep turning up. There's no doubt about that. And I think you've got to give it at least two years. Yeah. I think that people need to know that you've been in the organisation for at least a couple of years. And then it is amazing that after that second year... They do talk about this thing about no like and trust etc. And sometimes that takes less than two years, but certainly from my experience, it's been at least two years before you start really getting the benefit of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So listen, tell me a bit about your business. And we'll talk about your journey just before, but yeah. talk about what you're doing at the moment. So at the
1: moment, I'm the director of Energy How. Okay. Energy How is a renewable energy installer. Yeah, we do focus predominantly on the heat side of the renewable energy so focused on heat pumps right you know so air source and ground source for our main business we also do a little bit of water source and we do a little bit of solar PV and battery storage as well the, the business itself so the business has been going since August last year right and, and it's been a brilliant year and a bit mm-hmm. you know, to the business we've done a load of domestic you know and we started to do a small amount of commercial but I understand where I want to take the business is focused more towards the commercial, dealing with property developers, architects, that side of things. Sure,
0: because there's an enormous sea change in the way that people are now being forced to heat their homes, yeah. and the new build obviously is part of that. Yeah. Um, there, there's talk, I think, well, it's maybe more than just talk that that gas boilers are going to be a thing of the past yeah. uh, and nowadays new build houses just don't have that kind of thing um, yeah. and they're all about the renewable side of things and I think that's going to start to leak into the uh, renting side uh, yeah. through the yeah. EPC, the Energy Performance yeah. Certificate that you're now going to have to put in place uh, certain energy saving uh, there's going to be energy saving requirements because you're not going to be able to necessarily rent your property unless you have a certain degree in your EPC yeah. um, so you've got to get up to What do you know what it is? I think at the
1: moment it's a band E mm-hmm. yeah, but I think they're looking at increasing that yeah. to a band D yeah. Yeah.
0: which is I think is reasonable it's reasonable but from the landlords that listen to this it's a cost implication yeah so uh, tell me to get from e to d what are you going to have to do so my thinking is double glazing is that how big a, a double glazing will have a big impact double right. glazing
1: and insulation probably have the bigger impacts mm-hmm. um, so because we see many houses where people want to look at alternative heating yeah but there's no point trying to look at a better way to heat if you can't retain the heat yeah so trying to keep the building as heat tight as possible yeah, yeah yeah so double glazing insulation are going to have a big impact we understand a lot as well are potentially flats mm-hmm. so we see quite a lot of tenement flats with electric heating yeah epcs are quite poor big stone walls very costly to insulate uh-huh and it does shrink the room size slightly with internal wall insulation so you know looking at the likes of heat pumps it is a benefit to a landlord as well because they can receive a tariff back at the moment Yeah, so Mm -hmm. the the RHI tariff which is the renewable heat incentive is an incentive for a homeowner who invests in renewable technology right to make money back over a period of seven years okay so although they have the cost implication if they look at it as an investment although they don't benefit from the saving they have a happier tenant potentially yeah they make a percentage of their investment back over a seven-year period and it's a more sustainable so it's protecting their investment which is phenomenally their, their property as well yeah
0: How easy or is it possible to put a heat source pump into a a tenement flat? I mean, there are not going to be difficulties as far as that's concerned. It depends on the size
1: of the flat. Mm -hmm. We have done some for Edinburgh, for example, it was wall-mounted first story. There does, they do become restrictions as you go higher up. Yeah. Also dependent if it's, for example, front facing or rear facing, Mm -hmm. whether the building's listed or not. Yeah. You can can stray into planning regulations. Yeah, so there are some complications to them mm-hmm. in some cases, and that's why I think they do need to look at other measures to be able to help Yeah, some people yeah. reach that efficiency.
0: So I think first people, people are first of all going to look at, I guess, double glazing and the insulation, because yeah. whilst they are expensive. Um, they may be the only things that they are actually able to do yeah. because if they're on a third floor flat, there's no way they're going to be able to bolt on a boiler outside the, outside the flat because, yeah. you know, it's not going to... The main the maintenance of it is going to be yeah. nigh on impossible. Yeah. Um, and then they're obviously phasing out the the gas side of, of things. Yeah. Um, and could you see that being a, a big impact upon... Um, landlord i think firstly the gas phase out at the moment Mm -hmm. is only
1: staged to take effect for new builds yeah so i think if you're building and planning these changes into your design Mm. i don't see it being an issue for the retrofit market i do see there being some complications yeah which we come across sometimes for example even with a mid-terraced house yeah it's slightly restricted as to where they can put the heat pump yeah even if it's not a planning issue it's still a location issue depending on the size so
0: I guess for the, the, the listeners, what we might want to do is to actually get you to explain what a he- heat pump is. I mean, everybody knows electric heating, everybody knows about gas central heating. Just th- throw out there, tell them, the, the, the listeners what heat pumps are all about. Alright, So if I
1: put it into a concept everybody understands, a heat pump is an air conditioning unit. Yeah, okay. It's the same concept as an air conditioning unit. It has right. a refrigerant gas inside. That refrigerant gas absorbs heat from the atmospheric temperature, puts that through a heat exchanger plate. And the most common type of heat pump is air to water. Yeah, so that heat exchanger will be heating water, which is flowing around the radiator system or underfloor heating system, mm-hmm. and it puts heat into the house. You would also then have a domestic hot water cylinder to provide your hot water demand.
0: And that's why the heat pump has to be outside because it's drawing. Yes, the, the and you cool have, to, as I mentioned,
1: you have a few different types of heat pumps. So air source is by far the most common. Yeah, air source. It looks like an air conditioning unit. Yeah, it actually has the capability to do cooling as well. But of course, being in lovely Scotland, we don't find a need for that as much. And no. being well, air to water, it wouldn't make sense to cool water. No. So no. yeah, you do that. You do also then have air to air systems, which you've probably seen in the likes of doctor surgeries, etc. Where you see the head on the wall, yeah, it's like a fan unit on the wall. Oh right, yeah. yeah have a heat pump external, okay. Invited in the heat or the cooling, right? Place. Like they can do both, right. heat and air, okay. You then have the ground source, yeah, and the ground source can either be a ground loop, which is laid along the length of the land, mm-hmm. or you can have a borehole system, which is drilled down into the ground and that absorbs heat from the ground. Because the funny thing is, even in freezing conditions, the ground temperatures can typically normally be at least. You know eight to nine degrees yeah you know, so you're still able to absorb the heat from the ground okay they are slightly more efficient but what we find typically with retrofits is the difficulty of application being able to have the available land yeah. and understanding that a ground source needs a bit more kit to it so you more need a small plant room
0: and talk about cost then um boilers obviously come with an ability to be able to heat a certain amount of radiators etc yeah. um talk us through the heat pumps are there different sizes of heat pumps yeah yeah so you have different many
1: many different manufacturers in many different sizes yeah. air source you normally find the smallest size is about a five kilowatt unit and the biggest size is maybe about a 16 in a single unit mm-hmm. yeah above that you're then looking into cascading units and so putting two units side by side yeah you know? right okay. now then you have the ground source and if you've got a single phase supply which most domestic houses have you can go up to a maximum of 30 kilowatts with a manufacturer called Nibby, you know, so you have a slightly different advantage to the ground source. But yes, the amount of radiators isn't really the impact with an air source or ground source. What we would do is design it based on the space. So we would take measurements room by room, Mm -hmm. the size of windows room by room, and calculate the heat demand required for that property. Yep. And that then dictates the size of the unit required.
0: So, for say a, a, a two bedroom flat, what kind of heat pump would the you require for that?
1: Again, it, it's, it's always dependent because insulation will vary, windows will yeah. vary, but yeah. and as a rule of thumb, you would say maybe somewhere in the region of between the five to nine kilowatt unit size, right. major, which is a single fan unit, uh-huh. you know, can be wall mounted, as I say, dependent on the height, yes. you know, for planning regulations. And yeah, it will heat it very effectively and heat the store of hot water. One thing I always point out to customers is heat pumps work slightly different because people always worry when they get told to leave their heat pump on constantly. Mm -hmm. And the reason they recommend that is because a heat pump will modulate, whereas your boiler in most cases won't. Your boiler is either on or off. Yeah, there's only two states with that. A heat pump can modulate. So for example, if you've got, say, even the biggest unit at a 16 kilowatt unit, a heat pump has a coefficient performance so it means when it says 16 kilowatt that would only use if a coefficient performance of say four to keep numbers simple Mm -hmm. that would only use four kilowatts of
0: electric to give you 16 kilowatts of a heat demand yeah okay okay and talk to me then about cost Uh, and what kind of cost have you got for that kind of size of of there's a number of factors
1: which come into when designing the unit course you know in terms of install mm-hmm. it, depends, it comes down to ease of install where it's being located yeah whether we need to upgrade the full pipework, or if you have for example a heat pump needs 22 mil pipework for your radiators okay yeah you know, most cases you have to replace the existing radiators as well simply because a heat pump runs at a slightly lower temperature to get better efficiency right so the flow temperature is usually designed to a maximum of 55 degrees mm-hmm. yeah you know, whereas a boiler might heat to 65 to 70. Which means you need slightly larger radiators, right? To, be able to get the right heat demand into the room. Okay. Yeah. So we look at things like that. But taking radiators out of the equation, a typical heat pump unit with a cylinder cost you in region of between maybe eight to fifteen for an air source. Yeah, so eight to fifteen thousand. Right. Air source unit. Ground yeah. source can vary anywhere between I would say between ten to thirty, dependent on the requirement. Wow. You know, depending on if it's boreholes. Yeah, boreholes can be sub- as much as fifty pound a meter, but sometimes you may have to go about two hundred meters down. All in so yeah it can start to add up yeah when you look at the return on investment uh-huh so with an air source unit over a seven year period you can get up to just under eleven pound back through the renewable heat incentive scheme and, and over power, how long is that over, over seven years right okay. okay and that's a fixed payment and that's based on the epc of the property you know? right so on your epc you have an, two boxes on page three mm-hmm. it's your space heating yeah and your hot water demand those two figures added together in kilowatt hours you're then paid on what they call two-thirds of that right okay so there's money to get back as far as that's concerned with ground source as well so it's with ground source you can also get up to thirty thousand pound back so though it's a bigger investment the return on investment with the two are comparable
0: yeah okay and ground source obviously mean you need to have a garden i would guess yes Uh so the tenants are out for that um that's a huge investment for for a landlord you know 10 yeah. 8, 8 10 grand yeah and is there not going to be potentially a problem that if everybody is forced down this route then the amount that the energy companies are going to want is going to be less and so therefore they're, they're going to not pay you as much money oh, over not, time it's not the energy
1: companies who set the, the repayment right and it's actually off okay who, who administer the payments right it's a fixed payment so if you're guaranteed to get a thousand pound a year every quarter you'll get 250 pound regardless of if you've yeah. been on or not. Yeah. yeah. So that, that is the benefit at the moment. Uh-huh. As we know, government policies are forever changing. Yeah. So if that changes in the future. And I, I guess,
0: as with a lot of things, you're better to get in there early because if you get in there early, it. then well, what you're getting back is probably going to be more than exactly if the, the market way. is absolutely flooded then mean, the, the Ofgem can say, well, we don't actually need all that energy, yeah. um, so we're going mean, to pay you less for it. We've seen it. We've seen it historically. I mean, with, when you compare it with solar PV,
1: you know, going back to maybe 2010, the tariff was up as high as 45 pence. Right. And so it's non-existent, Yeah. and that's just in under 10 years. So you know, it does it's change. Changed. Wow, is that um, right? Yeah. And they bought in the smart export guarantee, but it doesn't amount to much. Yeah. And that's for what you're selling back, which most people now are considering battery storage because it doesn't make sense to sell your energy back to the grid even if you get say five pence a kilowatt to buy it back again at 15 and 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 for for me
0: and and maybe a lot of the listeners that's the issue you don't know which horse to back you know you don't know whether or not you're going beta max or you're going vhs the benefit Um,
1: you have is once you invest in it for example when i mentioned that seven year period mm -hmm. if the tariff disappeared in say a year's time but you got in while the tariff was existing. You, know, you get a guarantee seven, seven, years. seven years. Yeah, yeah. So as it stands, it's still a great investment.
0: And how long are these heat pumps going to last?
1: Typical lifespan is maybe about twenty-five years. Yeah. So you're right. well, that's difficulty. encouraging. When you compare it against a boiler, because I always do this, you know, when I speak with customers, uh-huh. the running cost when you compare it to gas isn't much cheaper. You know? Right. So if you're comparing with oil, LPG, or electric you're saving a fortune. Yeah. yeah. So that's where the real saving comes in. But when you compare it, a typical boiler might cost anywhere between two to three thousand pounds, for example, Mm -hmm. for such a budget standard boiler. Yeah. Supplied and fitted. But you would have to potentially, over a 25-year period, at least replace that once again. Yeah. So you'd be looking at anywhere between four to six thousand. For that extra, say, four thousand pound, Yeah, not only are you going to get the tariff back, Mm -hmm. so say you got back, seven thousand pound over seven years yeah yeah that system really only cost you three thousand pound uh-huh which is cheaper than the alternative yeah 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 so okay yeah Yeah. it depends on how you look at it if you look at it as an investment it definitely makes sense if you just look at it as capital expense Mm -hmm. that's what puts a lot of people off yeah yeah
0: so who is it that you're looking to try and speak to
1: um well as i mentioned through b and i you know it's Looking to speak to the likes of architects you know yeah i think they are got to be the front runners definitely uh-huh. design is into the building standards yeah. you know as many people may know many of your listeners and landlords will probably know for a lot of new builds now renewables is mandatory mm. you know, a form of renewables mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. so yes solar can tick those boxes but we always explain people instead of sticking solar which are not really going to benefit from in any way shape or form because in a new build electricity usage is typically minimal because I think low energy, LED, et cetera. You're not using much. So why don't you look at the heating, which is always the bigger cost, yeah, no yeah, yeah. where your building is. Yeah, you've always got to pay more to heat than you do for your electric. And it's about future-proofing your home. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a fair point. So that's where it comes into it. But yeah, so architects, property developers, yeah. Yep. so again, future-proofing their investment because they may keep that property for 10 years, but when they come to sell, mm-hmm. they don't then want to have to have a hefty investment. So why not get your tenant to cover that investment over time yeah you know? yeah yeah um housing associations also a good connection because they want to be sustainable for their housing stock mm-hmm. you know likes of care homes as well which i have mentioned you know so it's looking at any areas where there's people and a demand for heat yeah you know? and it's looking at the most efficient way to develop and deliver that demand for heat
0: so you've been going for, uh, well, when did you say you started again? August 2018. August 2018, so, okay. Over, yeah. So and why get into to this um, this
1: game? I guess it's been a mixture of, so my background going back to 2005, mm. I started in the property market. Yeah. yeah. used to do below market value properties uh-huh. and, and pitch them as a, I guess, a renovation project. You know? So we would source properties for auction, mm-hmm. for below market value, pitch a renovation to them. Yep. and pitch that to an investor Yeah, and they would invest in that and we would have our markup up encompassed in that Jeez, that must have been a
0: piece of piss in 2005 it, hey? was, it was a
1: lot easier than it would be now yeah, you just was, rock up to the banks and they <laughs> say how much you want and yeah. that, off yeah. you went. Yeah. and it was it was a lot easier I and mean, we, we focused on trying to find flat roof properties in London you why used, flat roofs because most of them we had the ability to build up one level still Okay, yeah, is, yeah. and then convert that into flats so build up one level convert it into maybe four flats and right. at the time was sent, either selling them or doing HMOs different uh-huh. things, you know so yeah that was booming 2008 came yeah business didn't go so well at the time being young growing the business too fast too quick
0: so were you doing that as yeah. your bread and butter
1: yeah yeah so prior to that when I left school I started working with BT didn't uh-huh. enjoy it at all right and so I had a little bit of money decided I'm just gonna go and let me start trying to do this. Mm-hmm. And I was literally just picking up a phone and going through different directories, going through Gumtree and different things, you know. To, to find, find uh, the properties. find yeah, properties, people who, sometimes people advertised them there that they were looking at properties, so just right. speaking with them, meeting with them, uh-huh. getting a feel for what type of properties they looked for. Yeah. Then I realized the auctions might be better for that, you know, because they had a wider stock of mm-hmm. properties rather than trying to find one. Yeah. You know? So yeah, and you know, it took about probably seven months, eight months, but I got my first big client who bought three properties. Right. And that gave me a real boost. And the business just continued to grow leaps and bounds. Managed to go up to 50 staff during that time. Yeah, but then the crash came. Wow. It wasn't
0: sustainable. Yeah. No, because the funding had dried up. And if you can't get the the funding. Well, actually, it was a double yeah, whammy, wasn't yeah. it? That if the investors thought, well, listen, I'm going to take my, my money out of bricks and mortar and put yeah. it somewhere perceived to be safer, yeah. uh, then you've got no end client. So you've yeah, got no absolutely. money to actually do the flips. Yeah. Uh, you've probably got less opportunity of properties because there's less that's coming onto the market. So yeah. it was quite literally a perfect storm yeah. back there in 2008. So, how old were you in 2008? In
1: 2008, I would have been 20.
0: Wow, so, yeah. that, a bit of, was, that would have been a bit of a kick in the chops. It was, was an big experience, 20.
1: but I think being young, I always felt resilient, being able to bounce back. And I was quite lucky. One of my clients actually owned a, a recruitment company. Right. The time set up, I think he'd be quite good at recruitment. Right. So I was able to sort of bounce back and I then uh-huh. ventured into the recruitment world. And uh, we focused on financial services. Yeah. Yeah. So she had a recruitment company which did catering, but mm-hmm. wanted to branch into a new market. Right. Yeah. So we did that. We focused on the US and Asia because, of course, not long after the property crash, the financial crisis as well. Yeah. So the UK wasn't really a, not a financial hub, neither no. was Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And such. But the US and Asia was was thriving. Yeah. So I did that for from then to probably 2012. Okay. Yeah. In the background, I'd been getting involved in some of the renewable business. Yeah, just through, I guess, through the background of the property market. Right. Still kept in contact with some people. Yeah, yeah. And somebody had came to me actually with a development of a solar farm. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at numbers for them, got quite interested in technology. Right. In 2012, I moved to Scotland. Yeah. Why did you come up here? Well, in 2008, when the the market crashed, I had property in London. Right. Um, It wasn't the best time to have property there. No. Yeah. um, In hindsight, I wish I'd held on to it because it would have been a good night. yeah but, yeah, yeah I sold up and realised what I had paid for a two bed flat there yeah I had, could get a farmhouse mm. yeah, my partner at the time had a horse so yep. yeah we needed somewhere to keep it uh-huh. I not afford the upkeep in London anymore without the business yeah so we managed to move out to Macclesfield oh right uh, yeah and I would come into London four days a week to still work okay uh, yeah so yeah did that for four years and then in 2012 um, my son Clayton was born mm-hmm. yeah and my his mum is Scottish, right. so yeah, it was it was a no-brainer. When I looked at the potential here, yeah, you know, I remember going online and looking at a property, and I was like, I rent a property here in the time being, mm-hmm. yeah, and I put between a thousand to fifteen hundred pounds a month, thinking that was
0: cheap, yeah, you know, the London prices, uh-huh.
1: and it was showing me five bed houses and. I, it is amazing
0: when people do come up from down south, especially yeah. that, that sort of, um, London belt, they yeah. do come up and they are astonished as to the value for money That's that exactly. can be um, yeah. sought up here. And I think certainly from speaking to investors and, and landlords, etc., that they have seen that there has been a fair amount of, of money from down south has started to float northwards. Yeah. Um, you know your Manchester's, your Liverpool's, and then you're know, yeah. going up further to Carlisle, and then yeah. eventually, obviously, up to to Scotland. But it's it's a hard game, um, and just with another, you know, from what we're hearing here about the EPCS and making sure that your property has got an e, an E rating, yeah. um, it's becoming more and more difficult. There's almost as if there's more and more obstacles that are put in place. Yeah, uh, that this may well be for some people that that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. That says, I'm, I'm, I can't afford eight grand on a heat pump, I can't afford four grand on double glazing yeah. um, or insulation. Uh, and I, I sometimes I, I think I don't know where the thing's going. Yeah, I really I mean, don't. It
1: depends, I guess, on the type of investor they are, you, you know, know. Right. if they're doing it as. Wanting to have an income Mm -hmm. during the time of holding the investment, yeah, they might look at it a bit differently. But for a lot of people, I know when you know when we did the property, they would look at it in the sense of, for example, if they have to put twenty percent down, and to keep numbers simple, if it cost a hundred thousand, they put twenty thousand down, maybe take a fifteen or twenty year mortgage Mm -hmm. on the remainder, and over that period, the tenant is paying that. So even if that doesn't appreciate, you know, that's still a hundred thousand they have, you know. Which is one way of looking at it. Yeah, We you know property prices do continue to rise, as much as it dips and falls. Yeah, you know, they will continue to but rise. Th- but from what you're
0: seeing there, I completely understand that. But what what a lot of investors forget is that they forget to actually put the mortgage on a capital and interest repayment mortgage because they yeah. think, well, it's f- I'm getting five hundred twenty five pounds in as in rent. Yeah. If I go capital and interest, it's five hundred. And if I go interest only, it's 120. Yeah. And a lot of people think, well, you know what? I fancy just I'll 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 start paying it at some point. I don't need to do it now. Yeah. And then 15 years down the line, they're still paying 120. Their mortgage is still whatever it was. Yeah. And I just think that that's if you're wanting a long-term play, you have to go down the route of capital interest. Yeah, and, and say, well, listen, that money's not my money, money that money is going to be investing into the property yeah. because it gives you so many more options it means that if there is a downturn then your loan to value is not going to be so dramatically affected because you're actually paying off some of the mortgage plus you could potentially look at taking some of that money out and not rely upon the market moving forward
1: Yeah, and it's um, exactly the same like I mentioned with the investment so many people who didn't looked at solar previously for example they could have invested maybe say six thousand for an average system Mm -hmm. three years ago yeah and over a 20 year period could have made back about ten yeah yeah whereas now you still pay the same price for the solar but unless you're living in the property you're not really going to see the benefit no you know so it's you know from an investor aspect i think you know heat pumps can go the same way Mm -hmm. because i don't see the government wanting to incentivize them as heavily when they're mandatory now they're optional, so it's like incentivize people to switch, yes. But when you have no option, why do they need to incentivize
0: it? Well, exactly, to buy it anyway, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's why it's good to get in early, so, so get in now, what yeah, you're exactly. saying, yeah, yeah. So no, it does make sense, that makes perfect sense, makes perfect sense. Um, and then on the, the buy to let side of things, you've, you've got a portfolio, but what's the yeah, situation yeah, there yeah, at the moment? Yeah. So I've got oh. three properties, okay. Everything okay. is called Red, yeah, right. Uh, ball. Years ago now, okay, yeah. yeah, and did you buy them as a lot? Did you buy them one, two, three? No, you bought them separately, right? But okay. well in 2015 and 2016, yeah. And how did back. you find the difference between buying in Scotland and buying in England? Because clearly, um, a, there is a difference, yeah,
1: it's a big difference. I mean, around that time was about the time I sold my recruitment company, mm-hmm. so I had some cash capital, yeah, so I was able to buy a mortgage free, you know, with two of them, and I've got one on a mortgage, right? And it's yeah, it has helped, you know, it's not only as a Additional income, but it's also what you buy a small flat here in Scotland. Yeah, would be a deposit on a flat in London. Oh, absolutely! You know, so it's it's a big change, and as I say, being able to hold on to the asset, you know, mm-hmm. long term for me, it's for yeah, you know, I've got a son and one on the way, so yeah, it's, you know, it's looking at. And what is
0: your long term goal as far as the property side? The property, is concerned? Well, I definitely want to
1: build up my portfolio. Okay, you know, I think you know, cash capital comes down to a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, you know, and. Yeah, just build it up as looking at the renovation side of things as well.
0: And are you getting a decent yield over in the East Cobride?
1: Um, not too bad. I think it's about seven percent. Yeah. So okay. it's not it's not the worst but yeah. It is quite good. Yeah. I had to do some work to them, you know, but luckily being around tradespeople, yeah, it cost me a fraction of what it would might have Otherwise, yeah, yeah. let's talk about that power
0: team as as everybody talks about. Um, clearly, if you are in renewables, you've got a number of of people. So, tell me who's who's in your power team, who have you got, who do you Uh, rely upon?
1: Well, I've got, of course, I've got plumbers, yeah, so the core, Uh I guess, of that, yeah, we do most of the work, yeah, and electricians as well, Mm -hmm. yeah, and then beyond that, you know, I have good access with joiners, yeah, and decorators, yeah, so they, they were the main traits, I guess yeah used in the renovation so uh-huh. we're looking at kitchens bathrooms it's joiners and plumbers really mm. that are doing a lot of the work
0: and there's a lot of people that are coming out and um, from various educational courses um, there are those that are just learning on the job which sounds as if that's what you've done yeah. uh, and there are those who are just going onto the internet and they're doing their own research yeah. if you had your time again would you do it the way you did it i.e. um just do it from scratch and and take the rough and tumble or would you go down um, the educational route well no, nothing, nothing
1: beats learning on the job I think uh-huh. you know, personally yeah you know, because you, you pick up things that can't be taught you know, yeah yeah every scenario is going to be different and it I think it makes you more resilient and able to adapt which you need to be able to do mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a renovation project for example you can strip something back yeah and one problem can become ten problems very quickly Yeah, so you have to be able to adapt to that and how that can impact the budget and also you know fundamentally how that impacts your your investment yeah you know so I think yeah I I wouldn't change it you know I've learned a lot you know over the past 10 years Mm -hmm. you know 15 years or so it's yeah it's I think it's made me the person I am now yeah which helps me be able to grow for example with the likes of your
0: business now and you have start can you identify one particular trait that you've learned by going through that, that journey I mean, You talked about resilience
1: yeah I think it's just the ability to adapt mm-hmm. you know everybody talks about a plan and a plan is good on paper I feel yeah but sometimes also being willing to adapt and deviate from the plan uh-huh. as needed yeah you know? so it's not a matter of being distracted but it's more, you know, if you look and think that might not work, it's not saying, oh, well, I've got a plan, so I need to power forward. Mm-hmm. It's re- readjusting and realigning what you're doing, why you're doing it, you know. And also, I think, fundamentally understanding why you do what you do and what you want to achieve. So if you keep your sight on the end goal, mm-hmm. then it's adjusting to be able to get there by any means. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Do you read a lot? I do. Yeah. 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 I read a lot of self-development books Mm -hmm. you know because I think that a lot of what you learn comes from within yeah so you can't because
0: I saw you both you and I were at the the Brad Sugars yeah uh, last night um and I thought he had some very interesting things to say um I sort of purged a bit on a Brad Sugars and and sort of OD'd on Brad Sugars for the week before. Okay. Um, And if you just Google Brad Sugars, you will see that there are any number of videos lasting from 10 minutes to an hour and a quarter. Um, And I did say, I was not disappointed, but I thought that a lot of the stuff was regurgitated. Yeah. But there certainly was something about being in the room with the guy. Yeah. Um, and getting that energy from him. And of course, he will go down different rabbit holes and tell you stories that are not going to be on YouTube. And yeah. listen, for well, what did it, co- well, it cost me 20 quid? You were at the front table, so it might have cost you a little bit more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I thought he was excellent value. Yeah. And I have to say, the guy who asked me to, to go along From Action Coach because Brad Schusner Sugar's runs Action Coach, Um, he said that if I didn't get any value from it, then he'd give me the twenty quid back. And I have to say, you know, just sitting there for three—and it was three hours. I mean, it was astonishing. I looked at my watch and it was past nine o'clock. I think started at half past six, and the first time I looked at my watch, it was half past. It was nine o'clock. I thought, geez, oh, he's been going for two and a half hours, which is some stint. Yeah, um, yeah. and I have to say I've been to a number of, of these guys um, and to a certain extent we all stand on one another's shoulders and there's yeah. stuff that you think well I know where you got that from and I know where yeah. you got that from but I thought it was excellent, Yeah, I, I yeah. really did and there was a lot yeah. from it that I took away Yeah. Yeah. Um what was your take on it?
1: Yeah, I have to agree with that. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of information as you
0: mentioned. It mm. was three hours, but it didn't seem like it. Well there was and a I guy there was a guy next to me, I mean I was scribbling down furiously. I yeah. must have taken about seven, eight pages of notes. Um the guy next to me it didn't do anything now unless he's Mensa and he's got some fantastic or he was recording it maybe <laughs> um, um, yeah. I thought well there's no way what benefit are you going to take yeah. from that yeah and I think like I say when, when people
1: say oh but I do this but I do that and it's a matter of but what do you do to action it I think Brad touched on that yesterday as well you know and it's about we can have all the information but unless you do anything with it yeah, it's never going to give you any real benefit huh and i think you find that so often people say oh, i've read that book i've read that. but they continue to do the same thing they did day in day out yeah and unless you adapt so i think coming back to what i was saying about you know what i've learned from my journey yeah you know, i think that's part of it Yeah, you know, uh-huh. being able to adapt and adjust to be able to achieve
0: what you want to achieve you know helps i, I think Education is fantastic, yeah. and as you alluded to there, you can read as many books as you like, but if you're not prepared to implement them, That's it. then I'm thinking, well, you've just wasted three hours reading that. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, not every book is going to have so many great nuggets that you're thinking, I have to implement that, but I think you have to go in with a, 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 an open m- mind uh, to say, well, listen... Yes, that works for me. That works for me. But not only does it work for me, I'm actually going to implement it. Yeah. And that's maybe some of the hardest things to actually do. It is because yeah. we just bumble. So many of us just bumble along in life, yeah. and we just think, well, that's fine. Everything's going okay. Um, and again, think, that's something that he he said. He said, well, listen, that's why you're not. You, yeah. If you're here, then no, that's not the type of person that you know we're expecting you to be in six months, a year, you know, two years. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And as I say, that change has to be in everyday life. Yeah. You because know? I think as people, we have to all admit, 99.9% probably do change throughout yeah. our life uh-huh. in some way, shape or form. Yeah, yeah. Know? So although we're sort of against change, so to speak, objecting uh-huh. to it, you know, it it's essential to you know, evolution, yeah, and looking at just the way things are moving. So going back to you know, of course your focus on the property side, mm-hmm. you know, you've probably seen the changes in the property market mm-hmm. and they do continue to change, you yeah, know? over time. I know from when I did it back in two thousand and four, two thousand and five, you know, it's a very different landscape now. Sure. So, you know, investors who invest in the same way as they did back then, uh-huh. are maybe not making the return as much. Yeah. You know? So buy to let is becoming a big thing, yeah. You know? And I think that is where the real investments are at right. you know flips are good mm-hmm. but i think it's a lot harder to do that now
0: well it is it's a lot like, harder because there's a lot more people who are coming out of these yeah. courses and a lot more people are savvy as to you know, what you can do yeah. but if, the, if there's more people coming in to look at these deals and there's just the same amount of properties there yeah. then there's it's a it's a demand goodness. thing yeah. you know if there's too many people going after the properties then you know the property prices will, <laughs> will go up because there's there's demand there for fewer properties yeah. so that doesn't really work yeah. as far as the, the flip model is concerned And yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess you've got to look at you know, from my perspective I think a deal is really only a deal if you can source it off market because as soon as it goes on to market then you know, everybody, Tom, Dick, and Harry is trying to get uh, to get into it. Yeah. So you're saying you're reading anything that you're reading at the moment?
1: Um. Well, I'm actually just finding enough about to start Brad Sugar's book. Yeah. So is it pulling profits from a hat? Yeah. 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 So I've got that in the car just now. Good. And I'll probably start that today. Excellent. Um, and anything you've read recently that you could? Yeah. S- it's. Is it called Reevolve? Okay. Well, I can't think who the author is off hand. Right. Um, but yeah, it's about the, the sales and marketing process. And I guess coming back to what we've just said there, it talks about the change, mm. you know? and it talks about the salespeople who are uh, the old double glazing salespeople, yeah. and many people who still stick to those principles. Uh-huh. You know? And although principally that might still work, now everybody knows about it. So as soon as you come with that approach, in effect, you can shut somebody off Yes. had so a chance to get across what you want to deliver. So even if they want to buy your product, they're not going to buy it from you because yes. of your approach. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's how the online approach is taking a bigger, bigger market share. Now, yeah, people are more inclined to buy something online that they feel they've stumbled across and want to buy yeah. rather than even going to a shop. No, absolutely yeah, to buy it. So yeah, I think that was a good, good thing to show how the landscape is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, from a marketing aspect and how that affects sales and affects businesses
0: fundamentally. Good. Yeah. yeah. One book I would recommend. Yeah. Is the one thing. Um, I would uh, have a look at Uh, that. Gary Keller and uh, keep if you've listened to any of these podcasts, then you'll know that uh, every now and again, I, I pop in the one thing and it's all about identifying what is the one thing that by doing that one thing that you can make everything easier or unnecessary and that's really the strap line um, and it takes a bit of work to identify exactly what is that one thing that is going to knock over all the dominoes and it can be as simple and straightforward as say for example that you wanted to, to lose weight um, and you were wanting to go to the gym because you felt that going to the gym that would enable you to lose weight it's not about getting a membership it's not about you know going to the gym it's maybe just about Packing your bag the night before, yeah. or leaving the office at five o'clock—that's the one thing that if you leave the office at five o'clock, then you know that you'll get into the car, you'll go to the gym, you'll do the workout. Yeah. yeah? yeah. So just focusing on that one thing, and if you do that one thing, then everything else Focus will fall in place. into place. Yeah. It's a fascinating book, fascinating, yeah. and it's a—it's two, three hundred pages, dead easy to read, yeah. uh, and I would get that one. If, okay. uh, if there was anything and there's another one called um, Michael Port and that's all about marketing that's okay. brilliant um, book yourself solid okay. uh, that's a really great book because not only gives you tidbits of great marketing advice in built within the book is an actual marketing plan that okay. you work through as the book progresses okay. Okay. And it really focuses. I mean, I know Brad Sugars. Yet last night was talking about marketing plans, etc. Who had a marketing plan? Uh, it's maybe quite difficult to get something off the internet. But with this book here, you read the book and then you go back, yeah, and you start working through the marketing plan. It's, okay. it's absolutely genius. So that's Michael Port, and that's Book Yourself Solid. So those yeah. are two there. Okay. So listen, we've taken you just over the 42 minutes. So there's, there's four, five questions I always ask my guests and it's all to do with a lot of people who listen to the show are first time investors or maybe even first time um, purchasers of property. So it's all about firsts. Talk to me quickly, uh, 30 seconds on first house. What okay. was your first house? The first house was in London, Yep. as I mentioned, two bed flat. Yep. What did you buy it for? 270. What did you sell it for? Two hundred and sixty-five. what, what,
1: what <laughs> happened there? As um, I say, it was just after the property crash. or oh, was it? All oh, right. More, uh, because the business had gone well before that, uh-huh. I would bought a lot of money. I'd probably paid off about half the mortgage. Right. You know, so it was more just trying so to you could she, out you could say, ship it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. First car. And um, first car was a Vauxhall Nova Good. Remember the registration number? I remember it was a K reg. Was it? Yeah. 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 And, uh, and sound system.
0: Yeah, yeah. Took two speakers. Woofers and and tweeters.
1: Um, No, it was actually two speakers from my dad's living room. (laughs) (laughs) Wired into the car. Box speakers
0: (laughs) into the Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what was loud at the engine or the sound (laughs) system. I was saying. They could hear you before you were coming. Um, First tier football. That's golf or football. Um, Or either. Neither. I don't know. I don't follow either, to be honest. No. Denny Sport. Used to play basketball. Oh, did you? Yeah. All right. Many years ago. what Max about that guy who's seven? Did you see that on the news? He's seven foot seven. Mm-hmm. He only started playing when he was sixteen. He was from Sudan, and he went over to America, flitted around various colleges, and he is now on the books. I don't know if it's of the Boston Celtics, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. six, sixteen, mm-hmm. and he's only been playing for you know, five, six years. Okay. but he's just enormous I mean 7 yeah. foot 7 he's <laughs> <Yeah>. just ridiculous <laughs> yeah. the size of the guy and there's a video online of him and he's clearly when he's at college and he must be in the dorm rooms or something and one guy comes out of the door and runs towards him And he just looks like a midget. The the kids, the kids, probably five foot ten, but this guy's like seven foot (laughs) seven and jumps on him. It's brilliant. You should look at that. So that's first year football. Um, First medal, sporting medal Um, that you can remember.
1: Yeah, actually, I remember I was maybe twelve or thirteen. Right. And I won the hundred meters and two hundred meters in our school sports day. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: And that was literally with no practice. I wasn't actually meant to be doing it. Goodness (laughs) Goodness <laughs> yeah, me, that's a surprise because as a millennial you, I'm surprised you just didn't get a badge for turning up So you actually <laughs> there was badges for first and second, was yeah, there? That? Oh, yeah, That's good, yeah. that's good um, First film, can you remember the first film you went to see?
1: Um can't think of the first but The first one I really I really got into Lord of the Rings Oh did I you? I enjoyed those, I have right.
0: The books as well Okay Yeah, so yeah, I like that whole series Brilliant, brilliant okay um, well listen we're going to wrap it up there I'd like to try yeah. and keep it to just under the under the hour um, thanks very much for popping along well, and um, best of luck for the business yeah. I'm sure yeah. it'll be a, a massive success and hopefully um, B and I can be a part of that success yeah so I'm sure it will be yeah good yeah. great yeah. thanks very much thanks Jennifer so okay how was that for you It's a bright spark and there's no doubt about that. I think he's got a maths degree. I think on on LinkedIn, he, I I follow him on LinkedIn and and we did a little bit there about BNI and he's been with the the BNI chapter and he's he's doing great guns. It's really BNI is really working for him which is is great to see. And he had a lot of good sound solid advice and clearly there is going to be big changes there and they're coming down the pipeline pretty fast and we as landlords are all going to have to get organised and I guess that's the the life of the landlord is you need to make sure that you are organised As you know, I've got half a dozen flats dotted around Glasgow. I'm just doing one up in Kelvin Bridge. And I tell you what it is, if if you're doing this as a side gig as I am and doing it really as a pension play, it can be quite difficult. Uh, The last thing you want to do is to have to go out and and maybe paint somewhere or just paint a room or or do the taxes or, or do this, that and the next thing you have to be super motivated because once you come back from your day job, then unless you continue to put the hours in with regards to your portfolio, then you're going to end up chasing your tail. And I guess it's probably something that I've thought long and hard about and really I've, I've not been very good at doing this. Um, I've tended to do most of the painting on, on my own and all the other bits and, and bobs. Um, I re- really should think about just handing that over to somebody and uh, and getting them to deal with it. So um, I really do need to, to think about that. And I would tell you exactly the same. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not a great one for practising some of the things that I know are... You know, good advice. But um, there you go, there you go. <laughs> um, sometimes it's a good idea to follow your own advice. So that was Emmanuel Howell. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, next week, I'm probably going to do a bit about the bricks and mortar mortgages. I know all of you listening. We had a bit of a I oh, would have a bit of we we were silent on the podcast for about a year and that's when I was busying myself in the background trying to organise the bricks and mortar mortgages business. So I think what I'll do next week is I'll tell you a little bit about that story and how we've gone on, how the figures are going Etc, etc So we're off to Bilbao Number one is out there Doing her au pair thing And playing a bit of hockey So we're going to go out to see her It's October So it's the October break So looking forward to that I We're flying in on the Sunday And in fact Atlético Bilbao are playing So I'm going to see If I can catch a game there I think there's a game on there. They're playing at home So that should be quite interesting And look forward to seeing that We've got the McTurk man coming on from abc property he's happy to come on and have a, um, a chat with me we're probably going to do that the following thursday so next week you'll have me going on about bricks and mortar mortgages and then we'll have the mcturk coming on and talking about what he's been doing hockey's going well a uh, managing a second team out of ghk we won 3-0 on Saturday. saturday's great that takes us to second and uh, oh yes can't forget this she who must be obeyed it's her birthday this week so need to be on best behaviour there and uh, sort out everything with regards to her birthday I think it's Tuesday so a few bits and pieces need to do there and um running's going okay uh, did a park run at the weekend we don't have any hockey at school so cracked out a park run just a smidgen over 20 minutes which is Really, I mean, I can't tell you how well the the running is going. I'm just waiting for some sort of horrendous injury to befall me before Valencia. I've got Valencia Marathon coming up at the beginning of December, end of November. So listen, I think that's about it. Anything else? Don't think so. Listen, do join me next week. We'll talk uh, bricks and mortar mortgages. And that's pretty much about it. Listen, you've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar podcast. It's a sideways look at property. Catch you next week.